Hey, Nelson, alcoholic addict. That's not my real name. That is a fake name that I use here on my newsletter. I was at a meeting recently in Nebraska, which I wrote about uh, a couple days ago. Um, but I was at this meeting in Nebraska, and several newcomers showed up, and they raised their hands. They said they were at their first meeting ever. And I always feel a warmth toward people at their first meetings because, you know, we were all newcomers. I, everybody who's been sober for a while went to their first meeting at some point. And I, I also, I love the concept of somebody who's has a problem and they might be finding the solution right now for the first time. And it's happening right in front of me. There's something beautiful about knowing, you know, that possibility. And I sat behind them at this meeting in Nebraska and I ended up, I just stared at the back of their heads for an hour and I, I listened to the meeting too, but I watched them, um, as they fidgeted, checked their phones, uh, you know, listened a little bit, then checked their phones again. And then I watched them. They got, they did what I did as a newcomer, which is I got the hell out of there the second the meeting ended. Um, so I smiled, I smiled to myself quite well. And it got me thinking about what it must've been like to see me walk into my first few meetings, you know, um, I was going to say, like, I wish I had video of that, but it's like, nah, you know, it's not really what we do at uh, anonymous 12 step programs is record people. So, <laughs> so there is no video of me at my first few meetings. I, I wish there was though. I think my head was spinning. I think I was scared. I think I didn't like some of the God stuff I was hearing. I think I didn't like certain people. I thought it was definitely, um, a mixed bag. And I, I also think that at the first few meetings I ever went to, I think I only caught about 50% of what people were saying, even when I was paying attention. Um, and I take for granted sometimes that there's so many things we talk about with shorthand language that people have been around for a while, have heard a million times and understand. So like when we talk about resentments or the spiritual axiom or taking a daily inventory or what a sponsor is and how sponsorship works and all of that stuff, it's like um, you learn over time and then you start to use it yourself and you don't even realize that you picked it up along the way. But in the beginning, my eyes must have glazed over when people were talking about, um, you know, that becomes part of the sober experience over time. But as I stared at the back of these guys' heads, I also took note of what was happening around them in the room, you know, and I, I tried to like imagine I was one of them. And what I saw surrounding them was so much laughter and so many hugs, so much love, so much clapping for anniversaries. Didn't, you know, somebody had 30 days, somebody had like 20 years and everybody, they clapped, everybody clapped the same way. And that flashed me back a little to my early days. And I, I had a little bit of a spiritual experience there in Nebraska thinking about some of my earliest memories of getting sober. And I think the biggest thing that I got from my first few meetings was not information. You know, it was, I didn't memorize the steps. I didn't, um, you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing I got was just, just hope. I walked into sobriety broken down with disastrous relationships all over my life. I had a job that I should have been fired from, neighbors that didn't like me, kids who didn't really know me. And so I'll put it this way. I didn't have many people whose eyes lit up when I walked into the room, you know, but that's what happened at meetings. And at my first meeting, people were thrilled to see me. 
And they clapped and they lined up afterward to speak to me. People were begging me to take their phone numbers and to call them and come back the next day. I got a long list of suggestions for other good meetings in the area and all sorts of words of encouragement. People loved that I was there. And I found myself at a point in life um, where no one was cheering for me to make an appearance, these people were. You know, I felt like Tony Robbins after one of these seminars. You'll see these clips of of him, people just bowing down and clapping and cheering, wanting to carry him out of the room. And, you know, I was Tony Robbins, and it was awesome. You know, it was awesome. Setting aside being treated like Tony Robbins, the most important person in the room, setting that aside, like sort of the hero feeling, I also found that the mood at meetings was so different from what I expected and so different than how I was feeling in other corners of my life. Like sober people were hopeful and optimistic. And when someone when someone would start gossiping or whining or complaining, somebody else always seemed to reel them back a direction. And I didn't meet a lot of sober people who were interested in being sad or angry or resentful or I just didn't see that I I, they'd worked hard to get sober and they were going to laugh and smile and enjoy life for the love of God and and I didn't realize until that Nebraska meeting how much how much I must have needed that you know and what those people sitting there at those meetings for the first time how much they must have needed that sort of hope and optimism and I I couldn't I, I when I was early on in sobriety, I couldn't wait to get to meetings and see sober people. And I often, I often chalked it up to that mysterious notion of a pink cloud, you know, which is a phrase that gets used all the time, but it's pretty squishy and undefined. I'd put it in that category of some of the words earlier that we use at meetings. And if you're new, you're just like, wait, what, what kind of cloud? Um, I know lots of people experience something that I would call pink cloud that, and that includes me my definition of pink cloud. But like, how long is a pink cloud? How do you get a pink cloud? Why doesn't every sober person get a month or two of pink cloud? Why can't you just have one for 10 years? You know, those are mysterious, you know. But I think I stumbled into my answer for that question, which is that after not being able to stop drinking and drugging for 10 years, I had, I suddenly could, and I felt better, and I slept better. I wasn't puking every day. Or every day I got airdropped into this room with shiny, happy people who were farther down the same road as me. So I could see them up ahead. I could see what they did to get there. And they seemed so happy and I wanted that too. And it seemed like it seemed like the moment I had put down the drugs and alcohol, I had been put on a journey with a bunch of bright lights shining on the road up above, up ahead. And I felt the optimism in my bones. It was in my soul. And I guess pink cloud implies that the glorious early vibes of recovery eventually wear off a little bit and life gets normalized. And I get that. I think that's true in my case. But I also think that I have... I have pretty regular short bursts of that same pink cloud where I feel incredible gratitude and I'm grateful for my life. Um, And I also think when I'm open-minded about it, the pink cloud pours back into my brain when I look at somebody else and I see them on day one or day 17 or day 39 of this journey. It's just so good to see that. And the thing I want to make sure of is that when, when that guy on day 39, cult day, Maybe the pink cloud's wearing off. 
<laughs> maybe he's still in it, maybe he's not, I don't know. But when he's having a hard day, I, I need to make sure that I'm oozing that same amount of hope and optimism that was freely shown to me at meetings. So yes, I need to make sure I put my Tony Robbins hat back on as much as possible. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share.